Hello, I'm Zara, a self-published author of young adult and new adult fiction, a publishing grad student at NYU and an aspiring literary agent. Hi, I'm Kelly, a genre hopping writer, domestic goddess, which is a fancy way of saying that I am a stay-at-home mom and wife, and I occasionally captain the Hot Mess Express. And this is Writish, the podcast by writers for writers, where we discuss craft and hot topics in the writing community. This season, we're also starting to get into some interviews with other writers and industry professionals, so we're very excited for that and hope you'll enjoy those episodes as much as we did recording them. Today we are going to be talking about genre gossip. So, lovely listener, you might be wondering, what is genre gossip? Well, do I have the answer for you? It is a segment where we break down the inner workings of what makes a genre that specific genre. So this could be what are some classic tropes used in it, what is done well in this genre versus some titles that maybe give the genre a bad name. We also talk about our personal experiences as readers or writers with this genre, as well as what we would like to see more in whatever specific genre we talk about. We'll be doing this segment for multiple genres over the course of our podcast, but we're starting out with romance because it's February and the month of Valentine's Day. And even if you are vehemently against the holiday, like I know some people are, you have to admit that the whole world is kind of love obsessed during this time. So romance in publishing. I feel like arguably this is one of the most popular genres on the market with almost 9 million copies sold in a year. Only with Thriller Mystery beating it with 10 million in the same time frame. And if you're curious how I got a hold of those statistics, I did not get a hold of those statistics. Because <laughs> my statistics were years old, according to Zara. <laughs> That's why there are two of us. Yeah. However... Romance only makes up a third of books sold every year. See, this makes more sense to me than that other nonsense that I was reading. Yeah, where it said it was (laughs) a very low number. Yeah, I was very confused. So talking about romance, talking about romance and publishing. Obviously, this is not my sole genre I write in. I dabbled in writing a romance novella between a fairy and a vampire, and it was lovely. Um, I say that because I felt like I missed the romance part entirely and just wrote a fantasy book. (laughs) From how you pitch it, it feels like a romantic fantasy than a fantasy romance, and we can get into that, what the difference is. Yes. I feel like there's a difference with my stellar bud trilogy but you've written one ish if you want to say that i think i say you've written one period yeah i mean definitely lucifine and perry bell like that is a romance there i have written one and it's like loosely enemies to lovers but i want to do enemies to friends to lovers so i might have more in that novella collection planned because i just have all the ideas but as a romance writer yourself do you feel that there are like any stereotypes on romance writers yeah i think people look down on romance writers like other writers look down on romance writers which makes me want to rage because my publishing professors in all of their different disciplines so whether it's marketing or acquiring editors or sales reps they have said time and time again that romance is the reason that publishing can buy other books (laughs) because almost no matter what a romance will sell pretty well like it won't necessarily sell crazy numbers like twilight 
or Fifty Shades of Grey, both of which are titles that I vehemently believe give the genre a bad name. Yes. <laughs> or like Bridgerton, which has a really, really problematic scene that I think they portrayed problematically in a different way in the show. But, you know, in general, it's a better story with less problems than the first two series. I just don't like how Twilight, like, the whole glamorizing... Red flags? (laughs) Yeah, like, glamorizing bad relationships. I feel like people view romance as fluff for some reason, But I think because not that other books don't examine emotions. And I do feel like if you're not examining emotions to some degree, your book is going to fall kind of flat. And we've kind of talked about that with our character and world building episodes in season one, where we kind of touched on the plot first versus character first debate. But we didn't, you know, I think we're going to have an episode dedicated to that in the future. Correct me if I'm wrong, Kelly. I think you're right. Romance, because the main thing is about the relationships that are happening, I think that is anything but fluff. A stereotype that isn't said, which I think is funny that I've noticed, is that it seems like a lot of romance writers, you know, like there are some who are married and like have kids or a pet and they're very happy. But then the other type of romance writer that I've seen a lot of are people who like, oh yeah, I haven't dated that much, but I can write a great romance. And people are like, how? And it's like, by having a very good imagination. Can we just talk about, was it Sarah Sutton who said like, she's only had like maybe a handful of relationships or like one or two, but like her books. Oh my God. Her books are so good. We're going to be interviewing her as part of the genre gossip romance series as part of this season but yeah she'll sometimes talk about her dating life or lack thereof on her live streams I'm not dragging her she has said this herself I think my boys if they were real they would all be great but she's like that is not the dating pool she has available to her Oh, I feel that. Growing up, I loved a lot of anime characters and obviously a lot of characters who weren't real. So like Natsu, Dragneel from Fairy Tale, Death the Kid from Soul Eater, you know? <laughs> just, just I'm like, oh, why can't they be real? That would be lovely. Instead, I have all these other people in my dating pool that is not preferable for myself. <laughs> I think also, you know, if we want to touch on the joke and it's it's been made into tons of stickers and, and I think t-shirts and everything you can think of where it's like I form strong attachments to fictional characters or I form non-fictional feelings for fictional characters or things like that. Like, yes, it's very easy to do that with a romance book and then people have what they call book boyfriends or whatever. And then they're very vocal about that. And I think even before social media as we know it today, they would talk about it in book clubs or they would write fan fiction about it, which would blow up. And, you know, people wouldn't admit that it was them necessarily. But I think romance fans are a very vocal group. And then also they will stick with an author for a very long time unless the author does something that pisses them off. But it's normally not the story. And then if the author writes another series, they follow them for that. And if there's a certain trope they like, they will try a new author without you know, being like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like this writer's style. They, they'll, they'll come to that conclusion later as they're reading. But it's like, if it's a trope that they like, they're willing to just go for it. Film adaptations bit boosted the genre because everyone loves to watch, you know, people fall in love. Oh, I was going to say bumping uglies, but yeah. <laughs> well, not every movie that's a romance has that 
part. Yeah, there's different levels of romance. Like you got your your cute butterfly in my belly romance, and then you got the you know, oh my gosh, I think I'm in love with this person romance. So, what makes a good romance? As someone who has only written one romance, <laughs> I don't feel qualified to tell you what makes a good romance, but that's okay, because I'm going to give my thoughts anyway. All jokes aside, this genre is subjective, as with most genres. So, to a reader and a writer, it might depend on what they deem a good romance with what tropes and cliches they enjoy. So some people like enemies to lovers. The dangers of engagement is an enemies to lovers, but I would love to be an enemies to friends to lovers. I would love that. (laughs) Yes. And some people hate it. And personally, I adore when the relationship between characters are as complex and raw as they can be in real life. I hate it whenever the protagonist meets like this picturesque, perfect A to Z, everything's perfect with this love interest and there's nothing wrong with them. I hate that. That's just boring. (laughs) Yeah, it is. I want there to be character arcs. I want, obviously there still has to be stakes in a romance. It's not just a whole happy story. Like there has to be stakes. Yeah, which goes into what I think makes a good romance. You need good characters first and foremost, because if we don't like the characters, we're not going to care if they fall in love. We're actually probably going to start actively rooting against them getting a happy ending, which you really don't want. So you need good characters. They need to exist on their own outside of the couple, because in real life, when your friend enters a couple and then they only exist as a couple, it's annoying. (laughs) So... They need to exist on their own. And I'm saying couple, but you can replace that with throuple or reverse harem or whatever people are doing in the romance genre now. I'm not limiting people. I know that polyamory is becoming more of a thing in fiction, trying to catch up with what's becoming more mainstream in some circles in real life. But yeah, definitely think polyamory is becoming more socially acceptable in a lot of bigger cities and stuff. And I think that that's great because, you know, love is love. Yeah. And then on top of that, because they're people, fictional people, but still people, they need to have desires and conflicts, preferably internal and external so that, you know, it's not one and done once one is resolved eventually in the book that legitimately provide reasons why they can't be with the other person. Otherwise, the story ends too soon and it's boring because it's like they meet. And then even if it's not an insta love story, which is a trope that some people love and other people hate, they get together without any obstacles. And then your story is done. You have nowhere else to go. Another question I have here is since you are a romance writer and I am just making the grand assumption that you also read romance. And my question would be, what are some titles in romance that you think really make this genre amazing? And then what are some titles that you think are a disservice to this genre? We kind of already went over the ones that I think are a disservice. Fifty Shades of Grey, Twilight, and After. After is like for new adult, Fifty Shades of Grey is for adult, and Twilight is for young adult. Yeah, so those are ones that I... I'm so mad that they're part of the genre. (laughs) And then ones that I do like... I'm trying to think. I like the Sweet Evil series by Wendy Higgins. That's young adult paranormal romance. 
much healthier than Twilight. I'm sure that if I read it over with an eye towards red flags, I would still find some. But in general, it's actually a lot healthier (laughs) if you read it from the girl's perspective, which is where you normally can see all the red flags from the guy. And then from the guy's perspective. And I don't recommend you read Grey or Midnight Sun like I did because unfortunately when you're in the head of the abuser, some things seem more okay because you understand their reasoning and it's not okay. I just want to put that out there. Red flags are not okay no matter how justified you think it is. What else? Oh, I really like the Heirs of Damon series. It's a adult romance series. They all fall in love with different people. It's fun and all the stories are different, but they also all interact with each other in a cool way, which is always fun for adult romance series. Young adult romance series don't really do that. They normally just focus on one couple across multiple books. I'm going to try and find a new adult series that I like. Not that I haven't read a bunch, it's more just like trying to think of one. The VIP series by Kristen Callahan. It's about people in a really popular band falling in love with people. I don't really care what the type of person or group is in a series that's falling in love with like quote unquote normal people, but it's just fun. (laughs) And I read a lot of romance and probably the most in romance because during the school year, my brain kind of needs the more formulaic story because otherwise I'll just burn myself out. There's also a lot of like subgenres, like you write paranormal romance and like we talked about like fantasy romance, romantic fantasy. So what do you think is like the truest, most purest form of a romance in itself? Like what author? Jane Austen. That's what I was thinking. I've never read, never read Jane Austen. Don't come for me. Well, I, I think that's the purest form of romance in fiction. I think if you say Thomas Hardy... Or Emily Bronte, who are the other options that Christian Grey offered Anna when he found out that she was an English major, which is like so presumptuous. Like, what if someone fell in love with being an English major because of the Canterbury Tales, which are super raunchy, by the way, but not the point. If you name one of the other two, their books are like super problematic when it comes to relationships. Whereas Jane Austen, the only problematic thing is that one girl lets her active imagination convince her that the guy that she likes lives in a haunted house where someone probably got murdered and almost lets that get in the way of her act being in a relationship with the person. I feel seen right now. (laughs) (laughs) I was just curious because like there are so many subcategories, I guess. And I was like, what would, if we had to bottle up the essence of romance, who would we be bottling? Yeah. Jane Austen. And then I feel like there is a difference between fantasy romance and romantic fantasy. And to me, if you have genre in front of romance. It's a romance with elements of the genre preceding it. Whereas if you have romantic insert genre, it's a genre with romantic elements. So the dangers of engagement is a fantasy novella with romantic elements. So it would be a romantic fantasy novella. I was talking to Sarah Sutton about how I would adore it if she just created this fantasy world and like no backstory, no world building. It's just you get world building through the characters because it's like this this girl's going on this date and there there's a little dragon who makes you cramble and it's just fancy and cute and adorable and I sent her a few pictures and I'm like please do this. <laughs> 
for me. I mean, cool. I love whatever Sarah does, but why can't you do it? Because I'm not a romance writer. <laughs> if you say that, you never will be. Also, you already are. <laughs> also, also, I have four other books. Yeah, I mean, there's that. Each could be a series potential, Zayla, remember, whenever we were tweaking my web- website. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I got too much going on. Someone else needs to do it. And then if I do it, I'm going to want to dive into the world building. And that's just going to be terrible because, you know, you can't be doing that in a romance. I mean, you can if it's not a contemporary romance. I'll, I mean, you should still do world building in a contemporary romance. We talked about this in the world building episode that it's not just for high fantasy. All right, moving on from my friggin' spiels and questions. So, with all this in mind, with tropes and you know cliches and stereotypes. Is romance a repetitive genre? To be very brief, I guess, on what I feel is repetitive and rather annoying is some cliches are that. Yes, they are repetitive and annoying, but this is also subjective, like we have talked about before. Something that I find repetitive and very annoying is Hallmark Channel movies. You can change the little box cover art and like title, like you could just put it on any Hallmark Channel movie plot and it is still the same. Now granted, people find comfort in that. I teased the shit out of my aunt whenever she was still with us about, you know, her watching Hallmark movies and how they're all the same and there's no plot. (laughs) And she was like, there is a plot and they are wonderful, and you'll understand when you're older. And I was like, no, I won't. And I was like, meh. You know, because I was just a bratty kid. And I say bratty kid, and I was like 18, 19. But that's still a kid, you know. I think people automatically assume trope, especially in romance, means cliche. I think if a trope is done over and over and over again without any variation, it becomes a cliche. And that's basically what Hallmark is. And Kate Cavanaugh did a really funny video where she wrote down a bunch of different elements and then spun the wheel. This person falls in love with this person and has to deal with this choice. Like these are the circumstances or whatever. And no matter what had come out of it, it would have been a Hallmark type of story. With that being said... I don't think it's an automatically repetitive genre because like The Hero's Journey, which was technically started with fantasy stories, all stories share similarities with each other. And John Gardner, who is a novelist, once said, there are only two kinds of stories. A man goes on a journey or a stranger comes to town. Now, granted, he says a man and we are are beyond that. (laughs) The whole world isn't, unfortunately, but moving on. So lots of stories across genres share elements of the hero's journey. If you want to look at it that way or free text pyramid or whatever, and you can go back to our outlining episode from season one to hear more about that. Stories within the same genre are expected to meet readers' expectations. And that means they want tropes. And if you don't deliver, you're going to get a bad book review. So with that said, some books subvert tropes to great success. And others don't. So, it, you know, like, don't just subvert a trope to subvert a trope. And I don't find it repetitive in a bad way if I do it all. Because, you know, the meme of Sheldon from Big Bang Theory, where it's like, I don't need sleep, I need answers. Yes. For me, if I'm reading romance and they're happy or whatever, and I look at my progress in the book and it's halfway, I was like, oh, I know the other shoe is going to drop, so I'm going to break them apart before they come back together. A book is not a romance unless there's a happily ever after. Otherwise, it is insert genre with romantic elements and therefore called romantic genre. 
like I explained earlier. And when I'm in school and, you know, also working on my stories and doing authorship and now doing this podcast, and which I love, all of which I love, don't get me wrong. I don't really have the bandwidth to read a high fantasy or a sci-fi or even a historical where I have to keep the world building in my mind. So what I do is I read a romance. Sometimes it's a historical romance and because most of them are all Victorian. So like if you've read one, you kind of read them all, which would make you think that I think this, the genre is repetitive, but I don't because the Bridgerton series is different than the Effington series. What I'm trying to say is that every author will do things differently, even if they're all like borrowing from the same playbook and that playbook, not officially, uh, because I'm sure these authors didn't look at it. But if you are trying to write romance, the book Romancing the Beat by Gwen Hayes is very helpful. Like I said, it's like you get nuances with every story. So therefore, a trope is not necessarily a cliche. I like that you have a nice professional background that you can differentiate. <laughs> you can do that with stuff like this or talking about like how romance is in publishing. You just sound very professional. And I think we definitely need that on the podcast because I'm just here to give my two cents and you bring in the professionalism and it's wonderful. Also, I learn while we record these things because I wonder too, like with romance, like how you said, like you have a lot of stuff going on and it's just easier to sit down and pick up a romance book than it is come and sit down and pick up a high fantasy book because that's just a lot of dedication. (laughs) And while, you know, some people do have room for that, I was thinking to that romance, like how we were talking about comfort, comfort shows in episode 17, I believe. Yes. Because we were both talking about Avatar The Last Airbender. I want, I think that maybe romance is a certain amount of people's comfort genre. Oh, a hundred percent. I think in some ways it's the purest escapist one because it's like possibly real. Granted, you know, if you have aliens and vampires or whatever, it's not that real, but you can vicariously experience a better relationship in a romance and like hope that you're going to have that in real life one day versus, you know, by the time we all got through high school and weren't, you know, brought to Camp Half-Blood. Oh, I was... You know, your dreams are kind of dashed at some level. (laughs) So sad I never got, you know, to go to Camp Half-Blood. I I am thinking, though, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, Meredith Phillips is a romance writer on AuthorTube. She is a wonderful, pure soul, and she made a video and I believe in the video she talks about the the power of romance is instilling hope yeah and I think that in the world we live in it can be a very ugly place to live in which we kind of talked about in episode 17 where we talked about having trauma yeah don't get me wrong I am a fantasy lover and I love Tolkien-esque like inspired worlds and I love dragons and prophecy wars and all this stuff but I think the simplicity of reading a romance can also be very appealing whenever you're trying to escape because you hope that something like that could happen to you and then you can hold on to it because well it happened for my favorite character so it could happen for me and I just feel like it's a a less I don't want to say less extreme like story to get invested in but it's not something that's going to tax your mind as much I guess as if I'm not going to use Percy Jackson as an example because RP makes a brilliant point of whenever a series is named after a character you know nothing bad is ever going to happen to that character (laughs) but like with a romance you know that they're going to end up together so you could theoretically apply it. 
Yeah, I think I'm just rambling on a lot to try to make a point and I'm not really making a point because I I feel like the point's already been made. Romance is a powerful form of storytelling that I think gets a lot of shit, but I think it instills what most humans need, especially with the stuff that's been going on right now in our world is is hope and i think that it's an important thing and i think romance writers are are important to the writing community and maybe should not get as much shit on them it's like they're doing the work no one else wants to do but they're also carrying the industry yes (laughs) yeah so i can write in public like get my fantasy books published because a romance writer somewhere Mm -hmm. and there's also different types of romance obviously like i talked about at the beginning and we've touched on throughout this whole thing and zara has mentioned that we will be doing interviews and we tried to get authors who kind of do different okay subgenre of romance So I guess with all this in mind, like, what would we like to see more in the genre? Personally, I would love fantasy romances. I know we talked about that a lot now. (laughs) And I would love my little collection of, you know, the dangers of engagement novellas, like to be published and have that as a fantasy romance, but also something off the wall, like a horror romance. I don't know how it would happen. I don't know if they would have to like Scooby-Doo the bad guy or what, but I would be here for it. I'd probably be too scared to read that horror romance, but it sounds intriguing. Fantasy romance definitely need need more of those, but off the top of my head, I can think of The Kiss of Deception, uh, the first book of The Remnant Chronicles, and I would say more diversity, which is super vague, so I'm going to break it down a little bit more. I want characters who are not cishet white men <laughs> or cishet white women. Nothing wrong with them. Yeah, I just want representation in the characters who are getting love stories because white people are not the only people who fall in love. But I also want the story to not be about, oh, it's an interracial love story. Like, I don't need the fact that there are diverse characters falling in love to be the focus of the story. That's actually kind of tired, in my opinion. I just want these people are falling in love. And do they happen to look exactly like each other? No, like that's okay. Or if they do, maybe they're not both white or whatever, or they're not both straight or they're like, honestly, I don't care what crazy combo you give me as long as A, you're sensitive to whatever representation you're giving and B, it just mixes up the basically all white offerings of the romance genre. To branch off of that, I mean, I can't really offer much diversity. As far as I know, I am a white lady. As far as you know. Well, we haven't done a DNA test and my family's all like, oh, we have indigenous heritage. And I'm just like, okay, well, I like, it's just, it's, I want to see proof. I don't know if that sounds terrible. I would be very open to it and I would be like ecstatic, but I'm not one of these, I don't want to be like the white people that's like oh yeah I'm a Cherokee princess it's like honey that that's not a thing yeah. but like um to offer like I guess it would mirror diversity in the romance space I think DID or mental health would fall under that but like I told Logan that they should write a romance book called my seven wives and basically this falling in love with someone who has a DID and caring for someone and like the relationship and how each relationship with an altar is different because that's so cool yeah like my relationship 
relationship with Logan is different than Veronica's relationship with Logan. And that's different than Kitty's relationship with Logan. And Logan has to tend to each alter as an individual, but we all have this knowing of, well, the body is married to Logan. So like there are relationships built and some of them aren't romantic and that's okay. Like I told Logan that he should definitely write a book. And he said, you know, they, they were like, maybe, maybe not. And I was like, I would read it. (laughs) I would read it. And then I think just lastly, you know, getting off the diversity train. I mean, not really. I'm never going to get off that train. Is I'd also like romance in other genres aside from contemporary and paranormal because while those are great, I feel like they're kind of ubiquitous and I would like more thriller romances or I'm now blanking on every other genre that exists in the publishing industry and I don't know why but my point is is I would like to see things outside of contemporary and paranormal romance which I will always read but again you know just give me some new stuff so I think the next question then to get into is what advice for writers trying to break into this genre obviously your girl ain't no diehard romance writer. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. Come at me with fantasy. Yeah, I will have more advice. <laughs> but any other genre, though, is like look into the tropes that's popular and that's expected. Zara's talking about what the reader expectations are. That is different with each genre. So you really should learn about those reader expectations and look into the tropes and the cliches and try to avoid the cliches because obviously they've been overdone too much. But look into the tropes and see what tropes would fit into your plot and with your characters. Also, another thing is to get in touch with other writers who are romance writers. This doesn't really necessarily have to be a group of romance writers, just a group of writers. But if you do get a group of romance writers, y'all could swap work and compare. And it'd be really nice just to kind of pinpoint where you're at with it. And you might be able to learn something new. Yeah. Basically what Kelly said, watch the market to see what's doing well so you don't make the same mistakes as other people. You're going to make plenty of your own. That's fine. That's expected. You're human. And then also write the story you want to. It's okay if it doesn't perfectly fit into a standard romance box like historical romance or paranormal romance or contemporary romance like we both said we want more variety in our romance stories so if your story doesn't fit into a predefined box then that's basically what we're both asking for also my stellar blood trilogy was supposed to be sci-fi romance And then the first book turned out to be romantic sci-fi and kind of the whole trilogy. So sometimes you'll start writing a story and then it surprises you. Also go with the flow with that. And then if you're really unhappy with it, there is revision, which we talked about back in season one. Yes. And we'll probably talk about again in the future. Also to add on, our last point was what we would like to see more of in the genre. Just to add there, I would like to see less glamorizing red flags. So if you're an aspiring romance writer and you're listening to this piece of advice, don't glamorize abuse or red flags, please. Yeah, I had a really hard time with whether or not I wanted to write and publish the Stellar Blood trilogy for a while because it does start with the kidnapping. But the guy who's like in charge of it, he doesn't actually do it. And also he's always been a good person. He's not like the actual villain in the story. So that's how I got around it. But yes, don't romanticize red flags like being controlling, emotionally manipulative, physically abusive emotionally abusive there are more i could go into but we're not going to do that <laughs> i will say definitely watch uh, cinema therapy and the twilight reviews that they did because it's 
chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah, we will link that in the show notes. And then one final thing for the advice to writers who are trying to break into the genre in addition to reiterating Romancing the Beat by Gwen Hayes, which will be linked, is focus on being true to your characters, their emotions, and their love story. That's so sweet. That's such a sweet note to end on. And with that, this has been the Writish Podcast, and we'll be back with another episode next week when we'll be interviewing indie romance author Jesse Elliott. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Writish Podcast, on Twitter at write underscore ish, and on Kofi at writish. Bye. Bye.